Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Is What It Is podcast, digital show. Look, it's just a cool vibe. It's a cool place to be and a cool place and a cool thing to watch. Thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate all of my guests. Yes, I'm wearing the suit again because I feel presidential. Every time I have this suit on, good things just happen. And I know good things are going to happen now because I'm with an amazing author, an amazing person. But before we get to that, you know what you can do? If you really like this, there's two things you need to do. First, Connect with me on Instagram, CVMK33. And the second thing is subscribe to the YouTube page below. YouTube at CV Space K. The podcast is heard where all podcasts are heard. If it's Anchor, if it's Spotify, if it's Stitcher, if it's Google Podcasts, um, I think it's on Audible. I'm not too sure. I got to check. But literally, wherever your preference is, we are there. This episode is going to deal with an amazing author and the content uh, that she's created. We're going to walk through her her works, her journey. And with that being said, Nia, how are you doing today? I'm good. How about you? Oh, I'm doing well. It is. I'm excited for this. Uh, the weather is not cool, but you know, this is cool. So I'm super excited about this. I'm, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for just lending your talents and your voice. But I want to get into it. So first question, right? How did you make that transition? You know, I... I uh, I've interviewed a couple authors, right? Uh, every author is unique. Um, every author is an author, but every content, um, there there are many different elements to writing. I think that's the best way to say. Uh, yeah. I've had, I've met authors that have great subjects, not enough in-depthness or content or validity. I have uh, met with authors that, to me, have the content, but the style and the prose, right? Like, cause there's so many different elements because a part yeah, of yeah. literature is entertainment. A part of it is discovery. A part of it is enlightenment. You know, there's many different avenues that you can go down, uh, but ultimately is to provide escapism. Uh, so how did you make that transition from being a full-time teacher to being a full-time author? Um, um, it was actually, actually not, not quite voluntary. <laughs> Um, my husband went into the military uh, soon after we married, and that meant that we could move at any given moment. So I had to give up my teaching contract so that I could be ready to move. Um, and the moment that I stopped teaching was the hardest for me because I had worked so hard, um, went through college, got two degrees, all just so I can teach. And then I just wasn't a teacher anymore. Um, so that was, that was a hard transition, but I had the inclination to continue to teach. So I started blogging. Um, I started reading again, um, my own personal stuff, uh, that I wanted to read. I read a lot of romance, so that's not exactly William Shakespeare, <laughs> but, um, I started getting back into the things that I loved again. And, um, it, it, it took some getting used to, and then yeah. that's when I, uh, started writing again um because i still was used to writing technical everything technical from school and then from writing with the kids at school and then my own studies as a student and then i was like it was like i had almost forgotten about creative writing and how much i had loved it so i went back to that and as i started going through new experiences as a wife and then as a mother it just kind of got stronger and stronger and i just found myself writing all the time um, and then writing these books back to back. So then so far I have two books um, and I'm hoping to put out another one. So then it's the 
time that I've been without teaching, I've put out a book almost every year. Um, so it, that was kind of how I coped with it and, and got back into my love of writing. But it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't easy at first. <laughs> I believe it. I'm, I was thinking I'm trying to write my book and I'm struggling. I can't get off page three. Now I got more than three pages. It's just it's, it's a lot. I get bored. And I'm like, do I want to say that? Do I not want to say that? How deep into it do I want to go? So I totally get it. Uh, talk to us about the first book. So you have it by you. Uh, yes. Naturally abnormal. So mm-hmm. you talked about the experiences first, uh, being a new wife, being a military wife, uh, then having children. And then you shared with me the uh, mental toll that it can place on an individual, yeah. uh, the mental health aspect of it. Right. And the journey in that. Uh, can you explain to the audience what not just inspired the first writing, but really what is the fuel behind it and and why we should dive into this journey um it is about mental illness um i was diagnosed with bipolar disorder um in 2014 and they said that i didn't need to be on medication so then i tried to cope on my own which was a hard thing to do um i eventually did uh get prescribed medication but it wasn't enough So when I stopped teaching, it took some stressors off, but created stress in other ways um, and just different ways to deal with. I was kind of feeling like how a lot of people feel in quarantine now because of the coronavirus. Um, I started feeling like that very early on. I was in lockdown in the house. I didn't go anywhere. I didn't do anything. I didn't spend any money. I wasn't interacting constantly. Um, I didn't have a purpose. I didn't have a drive. I didn't have motivation to even wake up and take a shower from day to day because I wasn't going to work anymore. Um, So then that brought in a whole new set of just mental problems that I had to try to cope with. And being married and then having your husband kind of shipped off to go do all this training um, and just kind of being on my own was hard as well. So then it's like I was not only in lockdown in the house with no motivation, no purpose. I was in lockdown in the house by myself with no motivation, no purpose. Um, so that was that was really hard on me. And that's why the creative writing, when I rediscovered it, really, really helped me to be able to um, get back into something that I loved and to try to bring that drive back to help with the depression, to help with the mania, um, and kind of get me doing something so that I didn't feel completely useless which is the direction I was going. Um, But it wasn't until my pregnancy that I really turned into the poetry um, and started really piecing together that I'm a poet. Um, I never did a lot of poetry growing up. I did a lot of creative writing. I did a lot of stories. I have a novella. Um, I'm working on another novella. I have a finished one and then I'm working on another one um, because I love to read romance and I found, I love to write romance, but then it's like, I found out I was a poet and that was a different level of writing. And I was a poet who wanted to express something that I felt a lot of people felt too. So during that pregnancy, I spent a lot of time alone. Um, my husband was still doing a lot of training, but he would be home in and out, but I was by myself. I wasn't working. I didn't work through my pregnancy. So I was just home. And then on top of having my own mental illnesses and then having to get off of my medication for the pregnancy, then the hormones in the pregnancy 
just made everything worse. So I went through a lot of ups and downs. I went through lots of suicidal thoughts. Um, I had to get counseling. I did have to get on medication uh, during the pregnancy um, to help me cope with a lot of the um, the downs that I was having. Um, but that coping that I had outside of that was my poetry. And that's how I ended up writing my book, uh, my first book that I wanted to put into a contest to be able to get it published and shared with everyone after I'd had my son. Um, it means a lot to me. It's my, it's my favorite book that I've written. It's the one that I always tell everybody about first because I feel like it's important to express, um, to share with everybody and that I was able to express how I was feeling. The fact that I was able to put into words what was going on in my head during some of the darkest times of my life um, is just really important to me. And I always direct a lot of people to it, especially if someone says that they have mental illness. And I'm like, hey, you know, I have something about that that um, lets them that lets you know that, you know, you're not the only one that it it we feel alone. A lot of times we feel alienated. We feel isolated. People, I even had people when I first told them that I was um, diagnosed who feared me, like that I was going to do something to them. Um, and it was, it was a, it was a big thing to get used to is that it's like, I am now labeled and I'm a, um, officially different in everyone's eyes um, who knew that I was going through something. So it's like, we're not alone. And we do have ways that we are, completely normal and we just experience things a little differently than how other people experience it on a day-to-day -day basis but we are essentially humans we're essentially um capable we can function and we are able to do amazing things and i do it in the context of weather and nature because what more is great and beautiful and striking than nature and weather, you know, it makes such a huge difference in everyone's life. And it's like, that's what mental illness does. And it can be beautiful sometimes. I find that my mania um, was where a lot of my energy was, whereas a lot of my extroversion was. Um, when I was manic, even though there were downsides to having the paranoia, um, the fear, the hallucinations, there was also, the energy, the excitement, the happiness, the um, just with like the ability to be able to just wake up and just love being alive. Mm. And it was a very unique experience to have mania. And I don't think a lot of people understand that. And that's something that I try to capture in the book because it's like it's a very energetic thing. It's a very quick paced thing. And it's something that can pull you down, but it's something that can be uniquely beautiful, too. Um, and I try to capture that through different metaphors in nature, things that we see are beautiful, things that we see are fast paced, um, things that we see are striking, uh, things that like the rumination can be foggy, like a dust storm, um, you know, and there's just so many different ways to describe it and to capture it and to see ourselves within God's creations, essentially. Um, that not everybody can see and connect to. And it's like, you know, I had this way to be able to kind of see, like, I am like a storm, but I'm like a sunset too. And I'm like a sunrise and I'm like a wave. And there's just so many different ways that I see myself and the things around me. And that just made me feel 
more unique. And I feel like more people need to feel that um, and know that it's okay in that in a natural way, we are normal. Why? No, that's well said. Uh, Thank you. First of all, thank you for sharing. Uh, Thank you for your honesty and vulnerability. And um, I know that takes more than courage, right? So thank you so much. I want to, why do you think we as a society, uh, why are we so quick to demonize, uh, to label, like you said, other uh, when reality is, it's just another aspect of humanity, right? Why are we so quick to not rush to uh, comfort and understand, but as a way to kind of create separation? Like, you know, because I'm sure, you know, during this process and then when you were officially diagnosed, you know, the, you know, like you said, people were afraid and it's like, oh, I'm still the same. I'm still the same Ania, right? I just, I know now what's causing all this. Uh, what, what was, you know, going on? Why, why do you think that people are so like scarlet letter? Like. I feel like a lot of times it's because it's not well understood. It's not easy to get into somebody's head who's experiencing mental illness. We try to express it and make it as clear as possible, but for somebody who doesn't experience that, it can be hard to grasp. And I think a lot of people, if they don't get it, they turn away from it and try to avoid it. Um, it, It's just like my students. If something was hard, you know, they can play a hard video game and they'll still stick with it. But if any of their schoolwork is hard, immediately, this is stupid. This is dumb. I don't like it. We don't need it anyway. But if it's easy, they'll do it. They'll breeze through it. And then they're proud of it because they are capable of doing it. Um, But any kind of difficulty, they completely shun it. Um, So then I, I feel like a lot of people do the same thing with mental illness, that when it's something that's difficult for them to grasp or difficult for them to empathize with, they, they shun it. They just can't get on that level. Um, and it's unfortunate that's how we handle it instead of trying to understand it or trying to, you know, break it down and, and, and walk in that other person's shoes. We, they just label it and they're like, OK, this is now something that's officially not understood. You're now different. Um, And I saw that a lot in the classroom. Something that was different, something that was new, something that was challenging was immediately shunned. Didn't want it, shut down, don't want to do it. Um, I don't like it. I don't need it. Period, point blank. And and the adults do it too. Um, They just did it to other humans. Whereas the kids were Mm. way more understanding, (laughs) I found. Um, You know, if a student had a problem or a student, you know, like I would have students who were autistic, the other kids would would bring them in and they would include them. They didn't shun them, even though they knew they were different. But it's for some reason, when they hit that adult level, of you don't understand you. They push it away. Um, and it's unfortunate. <laughs> so the, that's that's honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm just digesting it all. So all this. It led to the second writing and Dark Poetry, which is really a book about, uh, not a book about, but it's, it's really uh, channeled to escapism, right? Kind of mm-hmm. not just through its poetic lens, but 
how does one get outside of their thoughts? Because I, I totally test. I will say, uh, and probably more during the pandemic because all the kind of social outlets were eliminated. Uh, you start living inside here, mm-hmm. right? You start <laughs> thinking worst case scenarios and you start what ifs and all this kind of negative connotation. And it's crazy that you have to create this positive mental space because the default, you know, isn't always in the best light, I think is the best way to say it. Um, So talk to us about, you know, dark poetry because poetry, I'm not a poet because poetry is a different style of writing. It's, it's, it's creating truth and every prose or, or every kind of thing is not just chapters like an author would be like chapter one i was born in chicago you know like you know that's not normal <laughs> you know but a poet might their first thing would be like the dilemma of being born in chicago but it's not chapter one it's a prelude to another chapter like there's it's almost his own synergy in his own universe so talk to us about <laughs> poetry <laughs> um with the dark poetry that, that one was taking the negative side of expectation and society and actually personifying it. So I actually brought it to life and made them creatures. Um, so physical demons and their actual, you know, devouring of the human mind and body and how they can chew us up and spit us right back out and how they haunt us or how they hide under our beds. And I took all of those monsters and those demons and everything that we're afraid of. And I actually personified it. um, What's in our head because it's so real. Yeah. And we do, we do just kind of, package it away in the back of our head and try to ignore it. But it's like, these things are real and they're things that need to be handled and they're things that need to be dealt with and we can't ignore it. So then what do you do when it comes after you full force as a physical creature? And that's where I was kind of going with the whole sanity and a lot of the anxiety and a lot of rumination and the sins and the things that we've done. And it has these three sections, um, that kind of break down how we either look to repent because um, we look to repent, we're being haunted or we torture ourselves. Yeah. yeah. Um, and cause that's basically how we handle a lot of things. We either try to seek forgiveness and try to correct it and try mm-hmm. to make it right. Or we just torture ourselves with it. It's true. And that's just kind of where I was going with the dark, darker poetry is just kind of again that that side of our brain that we try to ignore and just package away and it's like no it's it's yeah. it's real <laughs> it's yeah. very real for us it doesn't go as deep into the mental illness it's more you know the what we do and it's more the um it's more something that the average person uh the average adult can relate to or the young adult can relate to um especially with the high expectations um, and the feeling numb at times, the uh, feeling lost at times, the feeling very vulnerable many times, um, especially as you age, especially as you're starting out new, um, especially when you're trying new endeavors or anything like that. That all happens at that young age. And a lot of it is pressure from society. And I just took all of that and I just I just made 
like little creatures <laughs> and yeah. each poem it was kind of like it's you know it's there it's it's here and it's doing this and it's doing that and it's going over here and it's going over there and you can't escape it you can't run from it it's something you need to deal with mm-hmm. and i feel like that's something in society that we don't want to do we avoid and it's easy for us to avoid if we just ignore it and just say it's in our head but it's kind of like you have to do something about it we have to do something about the things that we do. We have to do something about the um, about change. We have to do something about the people who we are and the people who we want to be. Right. We have to do something about it. You can't just ignore it. No, well said. I, I think um, in life, um, I think every every human being will deal with their own truth. Um, in a similar mode, but different outlets, right? So, um, you know, so what I think happens is that I don't think we realize, I think we're, we're coming to a point where it's like, okay, it's okay to talk about it to a point, but how do we deal with the healing process? Because I, I don't think healing is, one form. I think healing happens on so many different levels because as a species, as an evolved creation, you know, we have to heal psychologically, you know, and what that means, right? Emotionally, mm-hmm. uh, physically, you know, spiritually, you know, like there's so many yeah. different levels to it. To only say this is the only level, you know, un- unless, and, and I've always said this, uh, unless that, you know, and that's just my faith. I only say that Jesus has that power, right? Everything else has to be within its proper context. And I think that uh, what we do a lot of times is, well, you know, let's say this is the iceberg, right? And so, but this portion is the only thing that people can see. So we only deal with literally the tip of the iceberg, but the rest of the pit, you know, this is the issue, right? So, that's that's kind of how um, it plays out a lot of times. And then what is also interesting is how we allow what I call our safe releases to really be how we go to define ourselves, right? So I noticed even with myself, working out was a way for me to take my thought in here and create a space where it was safe to feel, Right and produce something of good intent or good nature. And, you know, it became, it wasn't necessarily always about losing weight or, you know, getting bigger muscles. It was a way for me to deal with my emotions. And from that, it started to create its own identity, you know, like its own kind of body of work. That's why if yeah, anybody yeah. follows me on CBMK33, I'm like posting workout videos every single day. So, <laughs> you know, that's, that's kind of what I've learned. So now you're on your third writing, your third iteration, right? So you're literally doing a book a year. You're you're putting stuff out. You're you know JR token, you know <laughs> type speed. Um, I man, I it takes me like ten years to do. <laughs> I got I need help. I need a ghostwriter. You know, I need to find one quick. So um, you know, you're on your third iteration, but this one is about being black. Right, being mm-hmm. a black woman, and that mm-hmm. that is complex in and of itself. Yes. So obviously, this is still being written, right? So this is a yes. this is a this is a uh, ongoing project. What what um 
What do you want to convey to the audience with this one? What is like, you know, it's one thing to be transparent and, you know, sharing your experiences and growing up. But what message are you trying to send? You know, like something I've been trying to really figure out is, can I put a why uh, or can I attach a why to everything? And maybe is it even necessary to attach a why, right? So the why behind this, what are you trying to tell people with this third uh, content producing uh, work? Um, It actually didn't have a why initially. They were just lighthearted poems um, that I was making about you know, some of the good times and some of the bad times of my childhood, mostly the good times. Um, things like, uh, you know, my mom calling me a ragamuffin and me not listening to her, you know, when she tells me to do stuff. Things like them, you know, getting you ready for church every Sunday. Um, and it was it was just lighthearted and fun at first. And then I started getting, especially as more events started to materialize in society, um, I started really putting in their reflections of, for me growing up being black, um, I am very light skinned, as you can see. Same. But as far, <laughs> right. <laughs> but as far as I've ever known, I'm just black. Right. I'm right. not mixed with anything. <laughs> I'm just incredibly light because my great great grandmother was from the reservation. So it just kind of carried down. And there's a few of us who were just exceptionally light in my family. Um, So then that brought with it a lot of challenges growing up being black, not only in society, but within my own family because there's such mixed shades of us. So then there's this sense of diversity with being black um, within and um, just as a whole, there's just so many different levels and different layers to being black. Um, there's our hair, there's our nails, there's um, our personality, our sense of humor, our music ability, our, there's just so many different things, just the way we grow up, the, what even what respect looks like and how that was handled you know, growing up and how that's handled in comparison to a lot of other cultures. So then I really push this that Black people are very diverse and it's broken down into sections um, that look at like we're resilient, we're loved, we're talented, um, we're just diverse in our color, we're diverse in our hair. Our hair is so versatile and diverse, like even our hair by itself can be a book. Um, just the right. way we can do our hair and whether you're a female or a male, like you can just do so many different things. Or not do it. Or not. <laughs> yeah, or not do it at all. Like we have that option and it works. And not many people can say that, that they can make their hair straight one day and curly the next day and braided the next day and, and shave it and it grows back and it comes back in the curl and you do it again over and over again, you know, and it's like, you can, we're just, we have these amazing things about us. And that's what I was trying to, trying to capture. It's like, sick most you know rock comes from blues and jazz and things like that and it's like it's just we are so extremely talented and loved and resilient and diverse and beautiful and I was trying to capture all of that and put it in originally it was going to be a chat book which is usually only probably 30 you know between 20 and 40 poems but I'm like beyond that now (laughs) because I'm like it's just it's too much because there's just so much about us between the reflections um 
And it's it's hard for me because I'm like, I want it to be a positive book. I want it to be an uplifting book. Um, I want it to be a book that we, that we, that I have a lot of pride in, but then there's also some things that it's like, I have to talk about and be real about the stereotypes. I have to talk about and be real about our, our, our downfalls and our pitfalls and the things that we're doing wrong. Cause I feel like I'm doing a disservice to us if I ignore those and act like we're nothing but perfect. Um, right. because we still have a long way to go as a culture, um, as, as a brethren, just overall, we still have to help each other because there's still a lot of help to be had as well. Um, you know, and talk about things like, you know, single parents and, and fathers missing and, you know, stereotypical mother with 16 kids on welfare. Um, you know, the crime, the crime rate, the pipeline to prison for our students, you know, I'm trying to address all of that stuff in there too. And it's not always happy. Um, sometimes I look at it and I've literally written a poem and, and cried because, it's like, I hate that we're still like this. I hate that this is still there, mm -hmm. but acknowledging it and writing about it and sharing it and talking about it, like that's the start. And expect somebody else to do something about it, but it starts with us. We got to do something about it. And it's like, so it starts, I feel like with me and my person in, in my book, that it starts with me talking about it. And it's hard for me to talk about, but it, it, that's where it starts. Well said. Black is definitely a umbrella. Um, <laughs> diverse is the word uh, because, and I, and I totally attest. So my whole, well, I won't say my whole, my mom's side, everybody's like this or lighter, right? So <laughs> um, it, it is a lot of this, I don't know, you know, there's a whole story behind that. So I, I totally get it. It is a, it is a, an experience that cannot be captured in a documentary. Um, something that has to have many, many, many different books written about it, you know, mm -hmm. episodes produced because it's, I, I say the best way to define black is a pain caused uh, and created for the disruption of a community that affects everyone. Because if there's really no, because if I limit it to this, you'll start finding out how big the diaspora is and, you know, and that stuff starts, you know, expanding, expanding, expanding. So I, I totally attest. Nia, you have been amazing. You have been an amazing guest. Where can they support you, connect with you, buy the book? Where can they follow you? Tell us how we can support you. Um, I am on Instagram mostly. I'm on Facebook um, and Instagram. I'm AniaKiplin.writer. Um, on Facebook, it's the same thing, Anya Kiplin Books. Um, I sell my books through Amazon. At this current moment, I'm trying to expand that so I can be able to share it in more outlets for more people to be able to get their hands on. But um, until there, Amazon's the place to go. Um, I have multiple books under my name. If you just look up Annie Kiplin, Amazon, you know, on a Google search, you'll find me and you'll find my books immediately. Um, and that's that's mainly where I'm starting at. I'm, I'm trying to expand, but I'm trying to make sure it's something that I can handle too and that I can devote my time because I like my readers to also know about me as a person and me personally um, because it's I'm not just selling books. I'm selling experiences and I'm selling, um, you know, human nature and, and, and to be a human. And I want them to be able to see me as a person too, not just the books that I write, but also what I do and, and who I am, um, who's behind the books, essentially. Um, so I'm a lot on Instagram and a lot on Facebook. 
um, working on Twitter. Twitter moves a million miles an hour. Yes, it does. <laughs> it's hard to keep up with Twitterverse. I don't, I don't do yes, it. Yes, it really is. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm working on that <laughs> to get there, too. Awesome. Y'all connect with Nia, uh, Nia writer on IG, correct? Follow her. Tell her that you support her. Tell her that you're interested. Support by the book via Amazon. And when the third book comes out, you know, we got to have you back. We got to do a pre book release on here, just highlighting the book itself. Guys, support is essential. I always say support get supported. And if you want to keep seeing amazing influencers, amazing gifts to humanity, like Nia, you know what you have to do? You have to subscribe to the YouTube page below, YouTube at CV Space K, for all podcasts I heard everywhere. Connect with me on IG at CVMK33. Guys, I appreciate it. Until next time, guys, thanks. Hey, what's up, everybody? You like what you saw? Were you entertained? Were you informed? You want to keep seeing amazing content? Subscribe at the link below, YouTube, CV Space K. You connect where all podcasts are streaming, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor. Connect with me. I want to connect with you. Let's enjoy the ride.